how you could look at it is, would you physically take your child to a warehouse full of people? You have no idea who those people are in that warehouse. Uh, you have no idea what they're capable of, what their intentions are, what their motivations are, where they come from. Would you just open that door and let your child in, close the door behind them, and just let them explore? This is Charisma Connection. I'm Chris Johnson. Today we continue our series on the Samaritan Women, an organization based in Baltimore, Maryland, but helping victims get free of human trafficking and all its tentacles across the country. Julie Haltom serves as education director there, and she helps women find their voice and heal from the wounds of trauma. We'll talk with Julie, who is my guest today, after this important message. Domestic sex trafficking is being called the human rights crisis of our times. This insatiable and unrestrained trade takes a child of God and turns that person into a product, destroying them physically, mentally, spiritually. Can you even imagine the level of abuse and isolation a victim experiences? The Samaritan women can. They have been serving victims of sexual exploitation for over 12 years and are joining us at Charisma to share their experiences and call the faithful to rise up against this evil. We have to address the demand and prevent further victimization. We also have to stand in the gap for those who have already suffered horrific abuse. The Spirit has moved the Samaritan women to raise up qualified shelters across the nation. So when that one child, that one woman, is able to leave, there's a qualified Christian program ready to receive them. Please join us in this important series and prayerfully consider lending your support. To learn more, visit sheltercareusa.org. Julie Haltom, welcome once again to Charisma Connection. This is our second Thanks. episode, and uh, you're with us uh, for the second time here in this seven-part series, so we're glad to have you back. Thanks so much. I'm glad to be back. And today we're going to address the scourge in society that has a really wide reach and unfortunately has gotten into the church as well. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about pornography. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. Now, porn goes hand in hand really with technology, doesn't it, Julie? Yeah, we've seen um, time and time again how intricately these two are involved when it comes to technology and porn. Um, we've really seen, you know, technology comes with great, great benefits. We all utilize them. Um, but unfortunately, one of the negatives of technology is just the lack of controls and accountability that can surround the internet. Uh, and because of this, you know, we found 89% of the world's porn the entire world's porn currently originates from the United States. Uh, so we are creating, um, we're not just consuming, but we're creating the majority of the world's porn um, for them to consume. And unfortunately, that's playing a huge and having a huge impact on our culture here, specifically in America. Um, the average age of people being introduced to porn Boys are being introduced to porn at seven years old, girls at an average age of 11 years old. And that so that right we, there is amazing. Boys at seven and girls seven. at 11 accessing porn. 
And what's even more devastating to me is that the largest current consumer of porn in the United States, this is just mind-blowing to me, is 11 to 13-year-olds. And so right now, currently, what statistics are showing is that's one of the largest consumers is so... We are we are fueling the porn industry with our own children through easy access to the internet and lack of accountability. That's then our children are watching it. It's just this vicious cycle um, that goes hand in hand because of the access that's now available, not just to people in general, but even our children. Hmm. Well, in in what ways are children really being exposed to pornographic content? Yeah, so there's a variety of ways that this could happen, you know, obviously. But um, I think one of those is, one, there's just a genuine a genuine curiosity uh, from kids on sex. Um, and sex, if it's not being talked about in their household or it's seen as a dirty word, um, but it's everywhere in culture, that can cause a lot of confusion uh, for children so they we've had you know some stories of kids just kind of go research it take it into their own hands and research it on their own we had uh, a friend of mine had uh, one of their children genuinely just type in just because they were curious uh nine-year-old sex you know (laughs) they just wanted to know what does this mean to me i'm nine years old and this word sex keeps coming up well unfortunately typing that in could lead to really dangerous avenues for that child and then it you could know, also bring um, law enforcement to your door. It could also bring law enforcement <laughs> to your door, absolutely. And so there is that genuine curiosity, and then that mixed with access to uh, porn through technology um, without controls makes it really accessible. Um, we've also seen a lot, you know, some children, um, they are exposed to it through um, their peers, you know, it might not be something that in their household is acceptable, but they go to a friend's house and it's acceptable there. Um, there's children that are finding it and then seeing that it's a way that they can escape negative emotions. And so as with any addicting be- addictive behavior, you know, it provides that dopamine response. It provides that relief for a brief moment, that escape. Um, and so children can be utilizing it for that as well. Some are just seeking to rebel against parents. It's something you're not supposed to do, and they find themselves doing it, or they find themselves um, looking at it initially just for acceptance, or this is what you do um, because of my gender or my age or whatever it might be um, for acceptance. And then there's some that unfortunately grew up in households where it's normalized. You know, it's seen as masculine. This is what a boy is supposed to be doing or watching or being. And so, um, so some, it's just normalized with, with the culture that they're even growing up in. Mm-hmm. And then obviously there's also that even what I'd call indirect porn, uh, you know, where in our social media in our advertising, um, culturally, you know, that those sexual images are just becoming more and more prevalent everywhere you look. Right, so they're not intentionally looking for it, but it's all over the place. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, just think of like Super Bowl halftime shows. Yep, yep, <laughs> nail on that. There you go. Yep, just that that um, imagery and just that 
acceptance of, oh, this is what is now acceptable. And so, Mm -hmm. and it's mainstream and, um, and that's how they're learning, you know, by what they're seeing around them in their environment. Right. So how is technology then creating avenues for not just porn, but for child exploitation? Yeah, I think technology holds a huge piece of the puzzle, unfortunately, in our day and age when it comes to child exploitation. Um, And I think that's through, you know, all the avenues of technology um, when it comes to social media, just like I mentioned, the controls, um, accessibility to anything and everything. um, If you're not setting up controls on your devices that your kids could be exposed to, Um, there was a, a, just as an example, there was a woman named Sloan Ryan. She works with an organization called Bark and their whole, you know, goal is to promote child safety through technology. As an example, she created a fake Instagram account, um, posing to be an 11 year old girl named Bailey, um, and just a normal picture, normal profile. And within two hours after she posted her, that picture, she had 15 messages uh, half of which already had explicit written content or photographic content uh, from adult men. And after one week, those direct messages, were, she had 52. Hmm. So a potential 11-year-old girl just trying to be an 11-year-old girl on social media to talk with her friends can be inundated with content that she never even asked for um, as, as a response. That's incredible. And so, and, and so parents, I mean, should they let their kids online at all at that age? Can't... I know. And it becomes terrifying. But And truly, that's where I think um, ultimately it's a, a, a parent's choice in how they want to navigate that. I know there's a ton of, you know, oh, but all my friends are doing it. You know, you get all those battles from your, mm. from your children. Um, but the reality is um, with with organizations like Bark, or there, there are certain programs that you could put on your devices. Um, but we have to remember a child's brain. We, how you could look at it is: Would you physically take your child to a warehouse full of people? You have no idea who those people are in that warehouse. Uh, you have no idea what they're capable of, what their intentions are, what their motivations are, where they come from. Would you just open that door and let your child in, close the door behind them, and just let them explore? That's a good question. I don't know any parent that would ever want that for their child with the potential for them to be harmed in any way or exposed to anything, you know, but that's what we do with technology. It's as though we plop our children down when we allow them access to anybody and everybody, um, you know, with no you know, no thought in mind. And so trying to flip the script, so to speak, and think of it in a different way um, can sometimes help parents when they're battling, you know, what to do with their children. Um, It really is about protection from exposure to predators and harmful, you know, material and images that they might not ever otherwise have to come in contact with. Mm Mm-hmm. So what can the church do to guide parents and to help protect children against this sort of exploitation? Yeah, I think the church has a a tremendous opportunity 
to rise up as an advocate in this area um, and really come around families and and strengthen parents. Um, I think one of the ways we can stop, one, the shame stigma that comes with um, pornographic addictions or things like that, if we if we are going to acknowledge that what the statistics are saying, our, our children might be some of those that have that um, as an issue. And so being able to stop that stigma and be able to just talk about it practically um, and, and the harms that come from um, this type of content to your physical brain, let alone, you know, your emotional um, person and all that that comes with it. I think stopping that stigma, um, providing a safe space to talk about these issues, to talk about um, porn and um, any other addictive behavior and the dangers of technology, um, giving parents actual hands-on materials, you know, that they could look at of things to be wary of on t- um, when it comes to technology, uh, providing programs that they could put on their devices. Um, if they do need to be used, you know, some kids have to use a device for school and um, that's just the reality. But what are ways that we can look at educating and then protecting through resources, uh, providing accountability, community, and hopefully ultimately healing and protection uh, from any of this. And this really ties into what you do at the Samaritan Women uh, in terms of sex trafficking, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. We've really seen, um, especially from, you know, the women's stories um, that have been here and gone through our program, that many, if not all of the ladies that we've served have in some capacity been filmed or photographed for pornographic use and without their consent. And Mm -hmm. so just the recognition of that, that that is happening and so what is seemingly portrayed on your screen as consensual and desired and wanted is not the reality of a multitude of what the images are that are out there Um, the reality is it's not consensual she was forced or coerced into that photograph or that video Um, and so that's one of the ways that it ties the other is that you know porn is becoming increasingly more violent and degrading towards women. Um, That's just the trend that's happening Mm -hmm. within that content. Um, It's seeping into culture and and that's genuinely changing people's brains um, as they're watching it and the ways that they're seeking pleasure. And so because of that, um, when people are now looking to go out and fulfill fantasies or whatever that might be, um, they will be calling on someone to do that with most likely that's not their partner um, and then increasing the demand for continued exploitation of these people and so um, porn in a way is fueling sexual exploitation it's it's increasing the demand I must fulfill this fantasy so I must therefore go find someone to do this with and treat Mm. this person as though it's their responsibility to fulfill this unrealistic fantasy for me. So from pictures and, you know, just text on a screen, we move to real live people. Yeah, unfortunately, that ends up tending to be the trajectory um, that this can go. And, you know, a lot of people find themselves um, 
you know, they would have never thought that it would have led to there, but it's, it's similar to any other addiction. You, you crave more, you need more for the experience. Uh, image is no longer fulfilling. I need more. I need that video content. That's no longer fulfilling. I need the actual person. I need to actually try this out. Um, and there's a lot of shame, I think, attached to that. So I'm not going to try it out with my partner, with with those whom I might be doing life with, or I might not have that available to me. So let me go seek that out and use a person um, for my own selfish, you know, pleasure. Mm-hmm. Well, the Bible warns us against te- temptation for a good reason. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> well, I wonder what... Uh, takeaways or action points you might have for us as believers looking at this uh, difficult issue of pornography and how it leads into trafficking, Julie? I think just some takeaways are allowing yourself to be educated that this is a problem. I think in society, a lot of times um, porn is becoming normalized, like I said, through, um, you know, what we're seeing even mainstream you know, through um, mainstream music and images and things like that. So so recognizing that um, there really truly are negative effects to pornographic content, um, however subtle it may seem, um, and then being willing to be educated on the topic and recognize that we can't put this responsibility um, on our children either, that, that you know, Bible says, train them up in the way they should go. This is an area where, um, while it's important for children to know what's safe and what's not, um, we must take the responsibility, I think, as adults that surround these children to rise up and protect them, um, to set the clear boundaries, to have the hard conversations when it comes to technology, no matter how difficult that that can be, um, ultimately remembering that this is for the protection of their heart. And similarly with adults, you know, that um, we were meant to come together and have accountability and transparency and uh, community in this life. And and that we can do that. And if we can do that in a place that is safe, where someone feels they could be authentic, um, then I think we will be well on our way um, to having an environment um, that mirrors Christ and ultimately brings healing to those that are, you know, under the scourge of pornographic content in their minds and ultimately seeping through into their spirits. Mm-hmm. Well, Julie, uh, thank you so much for being with us today. I know that you are the education director at the Samaritan Women, and I can see why you're the education director. I've gotten quite an education here today, and I'm <laughs> sure our, our listeners have too on this difficult subject, but it's an important one for sure. Uh, what's your website so we can point people to that? So we are um, the SamaritanWomen.org Um if you wanted to just go there, it'll direct you exactly to our shelter care um, website as well. Um, and I really would encourage everyone to go to our website because um, we have a plethora of resources on this topic um, for any age group, um, any gender, um, tons of resources, any church group, 
we, we want to be able to equip you um, to provide that safe space. So please, please don't hesitate to head on out to our website and check all of that out. Yes, and I also have sheltercareusa.org, which is certainly easy yeah. to remember. Sheltercareusa.org. Thank you, Julie Hall-Tom, for being with us today on Charisma Connection. Thank you so much, Chris. I'm Chris Johnson. Thanks for joining us for this special series on human trafficking here on Charisma Connection. And be sure to check out the other episodes in this series at cpnshows.com. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible. <laughs>